way of Will John. The reason why we have evidence is because we set up the experiment very rigorously. We don't just jump in and measure something. And so, for example, let's say we are measuring the pH in water. We take this uh, water sample and we create what we call a baseline. This means that we take measurements of the pH in the water over a period of time, several days and several hours. And then specifically at a certain time, we're going to focus on uh, the water sample and attempt to change it through intention, um, up or down. And, um, and so exactly at that time, let's say 1 p.m. is when the experiment takes place, we see a significant chain. It goes up uh, one decimal, two decimal, or, or down. And then as soon as you stop looking at it or focusing on it, let's say 15 minutes later, then it goes back to the baseline. This time correlation um, tells us that there something happened exactly at the time where you intended uh, the pH to change especially that this is repeatable, meaning the next day we go back to the baseline so we know exactly the fluctuation of pH um, over a period of time. And then exactly again at one o'clock, we do it again, it goes up and then it goes back to the baseline. So that's how we have scientific evidence is this time correlation with the moment that you are focusing on it with your intention. The problem that science has is that even though it's repeatable, it's definite, this is, this is scientific evidence. But what happens every day, the result is slightly different. That's the problem. I mean, the problem is not a problem. It's just that's the piece that science is trying to figure out. So on the first day, for example, I can change it by one decimal. On the second day, with the exact same parameters, I change it by two decimals. But then the third day, maybe one decimal. So the, you see what I mean? So the, the effect isn't yeah, uniform is across. There. Yeah, but the, the effect is there. So there is a scientific measurable proof of that interaction. The problem is it's not exactly always the same um, because uh, when we talk about this type of quantum interaction, we're talking about subjective things. So for example, on one day, I'm tired. On the next day, I'm stronger and more focused. And so these things affect the amount. It doesn't affect um, the fact that it, there was a measurable effect um, on the water, but it's slightly, the results are slightly different. So that's how we have, this is very strong evidence that something is happening. Mm -hmm. I see. So uh, essentially to make it, to make it in, in essence, there are a number of, of, of studies, I would imagine, not just on water, but perhaps uh, similar to maybe the random number gem generator. That's one that Dean Radin uh, was involved in um, that are stating that our thoughts our or our mind essentially has a role to play within the physical reality without us using the conventional means of saying touching something to move it or uh to change the ph i don't know you could add something else into it etc it's literally just just with your mind and the fact is you, what you're saying is that we have enough scientific evidence now to state that maybe perhaps we don't understand 
how to move these things perfectly on one decimal or two decimal. But we have enough evidence to state that there is an effect without a doubt that our minds are influencing the material world through intention. Is that what you're intention. basically getting at? A hundred percent. Yes, that's ex exactly what I'm saying. And some people would say, well, maybe it's the heat or electromagnetic, you know, interaction of the body with the, but then what would you say when we do this long distance? We do the same experiments long distance. So ele electromagnetic field does not come into play. Um, heat doesn't come into play, doesn't affect uh, anything because heat also has an effect on pH. Mm. So, uh, you know, but then I can affect the heat when the object is several hundred miles away from me. And yet it happens. Right. How do you explain that? So okay. that's why, um, that's why this is, there's very strong evidence of that interaction. The, the trick is, you know, why aren't we always having the exact same result? I don't have a problem with that, with that um, question, because I think it has to do with, it's my mind, it's your mind. I am a living conscious being and every single day, every single moment, I'm slightly different. I'm affected by the environment. I'm affected by all, right. all kinds of, we're talking about thoughts. So thoughts are constantly changing. There's emotions, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, that are, you know, that need to be part of the equation. And so, so, so the mainstream science would say, oh, it has to be the exact same thing. Every time you throw a ball, gravity does that. Or every, you know, it has to be exactly two plus two equal four every single time. But when you're talking about the quantum um, world and quantum, um, you know, science, it's, it's, it's not the same, it's, you know. Sure. Um, so then they reject the fact that there was anything that happened. And I totally don't agree. And of course, a lot of people, a lot of scientists who do uh, run these experiments are 100% convinced that there is uh, very strong scientific evidence that of, of this, that, that interaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's quite clear that one of the biggest scientific questions of our time is uh, one that is the materialist viewpoint clashing with the idea of is consciousness a product of the brain or is consciousness somewhere outside and the brain is simply an antenna that is tapping into something that's there in the same sense that a radio uh, is simply, it's not producing uh, the music <laughs> or the radio waves. It's simply tuning into what is, what is there. A brain does that. And that's the, uh, one of the beliefs that has obviously pervaded for some time out of the ancient you know, world and one that maybe we're discovering. And then of course, mainstream science would say not yet, but I want to, I want to shift uh, into something that's in the trailer for the movie, uh, which I have not run across, or at least I'd possibly maybe run across one story. There's some scenes of people with blindfolds on possibly reading mm -hmm. or understanding what's outside of the blindfold. Could you explain what, is going on there and how I can learn how to do this. Like, and is that also the thing? I know this is, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning two, two questions, but are you saying I could just blindfold myself and then just walk as if I can see, or is that another level of the, the game? 
to say? Well, there's a little bit of training that needs to take place, but this is 100% true. Um, when I first saw it, I, you know, I was very skeptical because there's a lot of stuff on YouTube. A lot of people who, who can fake things, who can, you know, mimic things. Um, magicians can do tricks like that. And so I was very skeptical. And, and because I'm making a movie that's, you know, based on science, I wanted to make sure that this wasn't a trick, that this was real, because that would be the ultimate validation that, you know, we can literally reprogram our brains. And so the first group that I discovered was in the UK, the kids in the UK. I was there myself. I saw them. There is nothing that is fake. Um, you know, people will say, oh, but they've memorized the book. Well, sometimes we would give them, I would write something on a piece of paper. So they okay. had no idea what I was going to write. And then they would be able to read it. Also, they're able to maneuver through space. They're playing ball. They're riding bikes. They are playing ping pong. I mean, you know, I'm How is this? you saw that in the movie. Sorry to, sorry to cut you uh, off in there, but I just want to establish what we're looking at because, I mean, we're, we're talking about people who are truly blindfolded. How do we know, I guess, is, I'm playing devil's advocate. Like, how do I know that you have a something? Did you do it yourself? Did you put on something that they used? Or how are we to know that they're actually not able to see? Yeah. And that they're training. That's exactly, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I put the blindfolds on myself. It is total darkness. And in fact, I trained people. I did it myself. And we trained people to do it. And so, so it's 100% real. And also one of the groups, because, you know, we found those groups um, in, you know, Russia, Romania, uh, Utah, like a little bit everywhere. The methodology is different, but the result is the same. So the Russian group, for example, they went to scientists because they wanted to study it scientifically. They got together with two scientists from Italy, a University of Bari, one physicist, and I think a one neuroscientist. And so what they've done is they put uh, inside the mask a probe that measures the light photon inside the mask. And then uh, it was measuring zero, meaning there's okay. absolutely no light inside the mask. This was scientifically measured. And so if there's no light, technically your brain, you can't see because the, the human uh, vision system is based on light. Light is reflected on object and we can see it. There's no light, then you're not supposed to see. And so the scientist looked, um, measured that the amount of light, it was zero. And then the person was able to read and see everything. So that's how we know this was real. I mean, that's how, anyway, that was one mm -hmm. scientific thing that we put in the movie to show people. But I also, like I said, I've in, I saw them myself. I've encountered them myself. Nobody's cheating. Um, I mean, the people that I saw, I can't speak the stuff on YouTube. I, I have no idea. You know, there's, there's I don't know what, what's out right. there. But I can speak for the groups that I have investigated myself the methodology that I have done myself, that I have taught myself, and and I'm telling you, it's it's uh, it's mind blowing. Do we know Especially how? Especially the kids. Do we know how? Yeah. So doing? we're. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so so, but what happens is it's very 
um, it, it's this is a type of training that you have to keep up. You know, it's it's almost like you can get yourself to see it, but then if you stop doing it, you kind of start losing it again. It's that's a little bit of the problem. Although the kids, the kids learn it very quickly. It's insane. We taught people online, online, like not even in person. Normally, you have to do it in person. And after, I think even the first session, they were able to see the colors. Uh, most kids after the second class online, they're able to read. Mm -hmm. And then by the fourth session, like they can just function. Now adults is a different story. It takes much longer and not everybody ends up, you know, like able to read. But most people, will, although they were able to, to identify colors after, I think, the first or second session, which is pretty mind-blowing. So and that's because um, adults, you know, obviously, they're processing the information differently. They're questioning. How is this possible? Did I just make this up? Is my mask on? Is it, is it leaking light? Did I change? You know, because, because when, it, when it, you're in complete darkness, and then when you start to see, you're like, you, it's almost like you're in denial, like this can't be true, you know? And so, so that's a problem with, 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 and then you block it off. So that's the problem with adults when they're learning it. But eventually I have, in fact, we did an online live conference. I'll send you the link. Okay. And, and people were, I had one kid in Germany uh, one adult uh, in Florida, she trained with me, and then another adult male in from Utah. Different techniques, and they were all literally seeing everything. I would point something, and then we would see the mask. There's no holes. There's no. I mean, mm -hmm. um, this 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 is just very right. real, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I find something like that really interesting. I'm not sure in even in in its entirety what it would be used for. Uh, apart from possibly in a dangerous situation when you couldn't see, I, I, I could imagine that would be pretty useful. But that sounds like uh, there should be a progression to some sort of development like that to, to put someone in like, you know, not, not in a dangerous situation, but maybe like you want to send somebody who can see where there's no light in a dark cave in a place where we know there or something like this to, to, to do that. It would be it would be interesting i would imagine but when i was asking how i also wasn't even really asking the method because let's uh, imagine it's not even uh paranormal let's say or that there's anything truly extraordinary in what they're doing uh do we know the mechanism behind what's functioning if we cannot see what sense it is that they are using to understand the world around them yeah, I'm going to answer your first question first, and then this one. Um, the the implications are tremendous because they're using these methodologies to train the blind. How much more, I mean, wow. you know, useful could this be? So there are now blind people who are using this method and seeing again and being able to read and see their environment. So that's why this is extremely useful. Uh, at the same time, something very interesting happened. It's like there's a lot of positive side effects of the training because you're basically forcing the brain to function differently. You're telling it, 
You're supposed to see with light, but now there's no light and still I want you to see. So the brain, I think, tries to figure out different ways. And by doing so, it's almost like you are mastering its functioning in a way. And so we see a lot of side effects, positive side effects. For example, kids who cannot concentrate very well, uh, ADD folks, uh, ADHD autistic children uh, seem to improve a lot. Uh, There's also a sense of, I I have somebody in the class, uh, she had an eye condition and we weren't even thinking about, like we weren't, that wasn't the tar, that wasn't the, um, the purpose or the focus. Uh, yeah. And then she, all of a sudden she said she used to have this thing in her eye. It's on, it's on the tape because everything is recorded. We do everything with Zoom and then it was gone. So, so we, there's a lot of positive things um, that happen as you are doing the training. So is it really for you to go out and like, you know, kind of demonstrate that you can do this? I mean, maybe just for fun. But I think there, I think there's, there's, we're dealing with the ability to master, you know, the human condition. That's more what this is about, especially um, when, if we can do this, if we can apply this technique for blind people. In the movie, we also have a a case study of somebody who had um, immaculate degeneration, very severe. So she had to take a loop, you know, like this close to her eye. She would read like this close to her face uh, to be able to read anything at all. Hmm. So we put her through, you'll see that in the movie, you'll put her through, we put her through uh, a very quick, I mean, this was for the movie, so a very quick training and by the end, she, first of all, she's not using the loop and she's reading about like this, which is kind of normal. And so, so, so the implications and the applications are huge, you know? And so, yeah. so that, that's to answer your question, why are we yeah. doing this? Or how, yeah. you know? So that, I just wanted to tell you how, how useful this could be and how important. And also, especially for kids, you're developing these abilities and it starts to give you not, not just, like I said, more focus and concentration, but a sense of self-confidence. You know, you start, you know, for kids, it's kind of like, Hey, I'm able to do, you know, it's just like learning anything, you know, Um, it, it, it helps them in their whole, you know, kind of spiritual consciousness, you know, um, uh, kind of as they grow up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's that's kind of what I feel is is really the work. What this is really about, right? And of course, from the mechanism point of view, that is what's fascinating because all the scientists who are interested in this, including Dean Radin, by the way, Tom Campbell, who did the training himself, he did the training himself. Um, <laughs> there, and and my that the reason why I started looking into this phenomenon. Because this is the ultimate validation that consciousness is fundamental. That consciousness is working outside the brain. It's not the brain, because the brain is now, you're telling the brain, don't function the way you're supposed to function. But your consciousness, meaning your intention, is overriding what the brain's supposed to do. The consciousness is telling it, I want you to see whether there's light or not. And then you're able to see. This tells us that consciousness is 
fundamental and not the other way around, you see. That's and so, huge, yeah. And good. That's, that's beyond huge. That's why I, I wanted to bring that phenomenon in the movie. But in terms of mechanism, that's what we're working on right now. So the Dean Raisins and the, those guys, uh, we're trying to set up experiment to figure out, is there a specific part of the brain that, you know, even though, because the methodologies are very different, you see, um, the Utah folks uh, methodology is based on vibration. Other people is, is based, I mean, it's very, some people, um, they say it's the midbrain. Other people say it's the third eye. So what is all this? Like, how, <laughs> which is it? Um, and so from a scientific point of view, we are now investigating the, the, the how, the mechanism. So in order to do this, we have to kind of, you know, have all kinds of, you know, equipment and devices and, you know, to see right. inside the brain, which is very, 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 very costly. Because, I mean, you can do all these electrodes, but that's very, that doesn't go deeper. I mean, there are some methodologies where you can see more into the brain as you are doing um, mm -hmm. this work to kind of get a sense of what, what part of the brain is doing what. So that is kind of what we're studying right now. And so does that apply in a certain sense to telekinesis because i saw some things going on there as well with telekinesis maybe first off you could just give us a definition of what telekinesis is and then how you guys went about actually trying to study that and then i would love to get some practical things for people that are listening i mean a lot of the people who are watching this are involved in sport so i, I have some questions on the subconscious mind which we'll get to but let's go with telekinesis what is it and how did you guys try to figure out if it's real not real etc well, telekinesis is the ability to move a physical object without any physical contact. So if I have a piece of paper in front of me and I'm not touching it, and I tell it to start rotating, it starts to rotate. I didn't touch it. So of course, the first thing is like, of course, there's wind, there's heat, you know, I mean, obviously. So what we do in order to measure it scientifically we for, in the training we do it gradually we start with nothing and then we then we put a glass um, container over it and then we you know what i mean so we do it gradually but scientifically we want to eliminate uh, electromagnetism air uh, moving around heat anything that would you know um, thermodynamics tells us that you know, if the heat changes, movement occurs, you know, so, so we want to eliminate all these possibilities. And so, but during, in the movie, we showed it a little bit gradually just for people to see what the training would look like. So we would put a piece of paper on like a needle type thing, and then we would cover it with a glass container. And then, so the idea is for you to, you put your, your hands on the glass container and you try to get it through your intention to rotate. So even with temperature, we've actually measured the temperature. There's really not that much temperature that comes out of your hand that would really change the temperature of the glass. I mean, it's, it, mm -hmm. there's a little bit, but not enough to create an effect. But, but we start that way. And then we move away from it. So it's sitting there on the glass. So there's no air molecule. There is no heat. There's no change in the temperature of the room. Um, and, and yet you still can get it to rotate. 
then in the movie again to make it even more convincing we did it under a um vacuum vacuum means faraday cage means that there is no electromagnetism there is no heat there is no air molecule maybe a couple of air molecules but nothing that would affect that would create uh change that would create movement and right. and not only that we did it uh i did it long distance so same thing ha it, uh, under vacuum long distance and so so then you eliminate all possible uh interactions with the object from a scientific point of view and so th that's how we were able to demonstrate it and measure it and see that you know we could still create uh an effect you know through the interaction of mind intention and the physical object assuming assuming that's all true um in that in that sense what about a guy or girl who's listening to this right now and says, okay, I want to prove that to myself. How? Yeah. So that's, that's the reason why. So what happened, William, is that when we were filming, don't forget, mm -hmm. we're also working under the worst conditions because we have people around, we have camera crew, we have physically, we have equipment, we have cables, and we're talking about consciousness. So we have people who are not believers. And so sure. they're kind of like projecting, you know, you're, you're trying to concentrate on this thing. Like, you know, I hope it moves. I hope it moves or whatever. <sighs> and then you have other people projecting their intention, you know, and it's all entangled. We don't understand. We don't think about this, but it, it does affect you. And so these guys are looking at it. Is she going to be able to do it? What if it doesn't work? We're well, you know, we're rolling six cameras you know, all around. So even under those circumstances, we were able, I have to say that a few times I would ask the camera crew to roll and then to start focusing on something else. I'd be like, sure. okay, guys, it's time for you to check your emails and, you yeah. know, text your friends because I wanted their, uh, you know, focus attention somewhere kind else. of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit. But anyway, so we were able to demonstrate it even under those worst circumstances. And so- sure. Because of that, and it wasn't just telekinesis, it was the blindfold, it was other things. The crew would be like, oh my God, she just learned this. Because we would bring guests. Right. You know, I wasn't right. the only one demonstrating everything. We right. had guests who had never done anything like this before. You know, we demonstrated remote viewing and telekinesis and all, all sorts, of, sorts of stuff. We would bring a guest for the first time, train them, and then they would do it on camera. So the crew would be like, oh my God, how did how did she do it? Can I do it? That is the reaction that I wanted. I wanted the average person, which is what you said. How do I learn? Mm -hmm. I wanted the average person to just give it, be curious and just be open to it and give it a try. And so, so, so that because of that, you know, the reaction was always the same throughout the filming. So of course we we have classes. You know, I, I made one class. There's one class available on the website if people want to learn it. But we are okay. always doing, you know, conferences. We're doing all kinds of stuff. People can go to superhumanfilm.com and look at classes, and they'll see the one on telekinesis, remote viewing. It, I did it exactly for that purpose because people got so curious um, and intrigued. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Well, then, yeah, that that's uh, that's interesting. I would. I've never experienced anything of the telekinetic nature. Or uh, <laughs> obviously, I can't read uh, in the dark, which I would be awesome though. Now that I think about the practical nature of just sitting in my sitting in bed, not having to deal with a nightlight at all ever again. But uh, you said you said something pretty interesting in the movie, which was that what is required is a shift in perception, and uh, I that has a very important practical um, application as well, because for a lot of people who want to change their lives, you cannot do that unless you have a shift in the way you see the world. Um, from a metaphysical standpoint, I think what the film is probably trying to get at is that you have an even greater power uh, by changing your belief and your perception of yourself and the world around you than you would really, you know, ever, ever know. Uh, so in, in an attempt to kind of understand for someone who's looking for a mentality sort of uh, boost, let's say, or uh, a way to, you know, to, to have a better life in a certain sense, what did you guys find out about what the subconscious mind does for the conscious mind? And maybe you just kind of want to explain uh, how someone can get from changing their beliefs, uh, to, you know, using the subconscious mind in a way that it'll actually benefit them, you know, or, or how that works in general, you know, based on what you guys have found. So you have to realize that you are multidimensional. In other words, you are conscious, but you're also you have your subconscious mind and your super conscious mind actually it's not just the subconscious but let's just talk about those two things for now okay. and so so as you are thinking so let's say i am trying to move this physical object with my mind my subconscious mind is also working it's also talking it's also projecting its intention we're not aware obviously it's subconscious it's unconscious so it means you're not conscious of what it's saying. But as you are saying, I want to move this physical object, your subconscious mind is saying, no way. How am I supposed to do that? That's, not, that's against the physical laws, the Newtonian physical laws. And so you are sending out two uh, conflicting signals to, the, to the, the object you're trying to, to work with. One is saying move. The other one is saying this will never happen move never happened <laughs> nothing happens and so and we do this all the time in everything i want to create a new career i want to attract a relationship i want the the conscious mind is saying i want 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 i want more money i want to win this game <laughs> and the subconscious mind at the same time is talking 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 sending out conflicting information and so depending on how powerful the conscious mind is some it, most of the time it will override the results that's why you don't get anything you don't do anything so the trick is to identify what the subconscious mind is saying you know if you don't know what it's saying you can just specifically say uh, if let's say, again, this is just one example, but you can apply it to anything, like I said, a job, a career, anything. 
you can focus on your intention. You have to articulate your intention very clearly. I want to win this game. I want my knee to stop hurting or whatever, you know. And um, as you are seeing these things, you're going to feel, you know, you're going to have some emotions. Something will come up. For example, the disbelief. So you can't ignore it. You address it. That's the subconscious. It's, it's communicating with you through feelings. And so you focus on the subconscious mind. You know, people say, just say affirmations, like my knee doesn't hurt or like I'm going to, you know, like, like just positive affirmation. No, because a positive affirmation alone don't work because you did not take out the stuff that is going against your affirmation. So that's the reason why you have to bring up and address what the subconscious mind is saying. So if you feel like disbelief, then you bring it up and then you say, I ask and intend to delete, to erase the belief that I can't do this or this will never happen from every cell in my brain, in my body, my conscious, my subconscious, my cellular memory. You breathe in and as you exhale, you visualize stuff coming up, particles of energy. People don't realize that thoughts have a physical component. This is a whole different subject, but it's really particles of energy that are stored inside your cells. And so you, if you can just visualize that you are purging stuff, you don't have to know what, you don't have to just, just imagine stuff is coming out of you. Okay, I guarantee do that a few times, you will start to feel different. You will feel lighter. And also, you'll have other things will come up. So for example, a previous failure. Last time you did this, you said, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, and you didn't win. So some sort of lack of self-confidence comes up for you. Address it. Bring it up. Bring it up. Okay, I ask and intend to release. Da, 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 da. from mm -hmm. my conscious of my lack of self-confidence because of previous experiences, da, 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 da. you breathe it out. Once you do that, you will feel, like I said, not only lighter, but you have to keep doing this until you get to a place of being neutral. It's almost like it's a feeling of, you almost, I don't want to say the word don't care, but it's that sort of detached feeling where you're almost like at peace with where you are, who you are, whether you win, you didn't win, you know, you're, you have that sense of now you can manifest because you, no. you took out the charge, all, you see what I mean? You took out all these charges and you're in a place of knowing that whatever you say is going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, like, I don't know how to describe it. It's a feeling. It's, it's a sort of a feeling. Sure. And so, yeah. and so that is very practical and that is the change of perception that is required is is the the belief that you can do this that this is possible how you do that is the way i just described by addressing bringing up the subconscious beliefs addressing them you know because all these thoughts you're having all the time 
you don't know that you're having them. You're not, you're not saying to yourself, I'm going to fail. You're saying to yourself, I want to win. Right. But you're having these, these subconscious thoughts and where are these thoughts going? <laughs> you know, we are, we are, we're emitting signals into the unified field and we're receiving signals. You know, the fact that we don't see them like radio waves, we don't see them, but they're there. Right. So we are emitting signals. You don't see the signals, but they're there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of these signals, the thoughts are inside your cells. I, I, I find that it makes perfect sense. And I find it really interesting. Mm -hmm. I've not heard it that way. And I mean, it's obviously, uh, somewhat counterintuitive to hear the idea that positive affirmations don't work because positive affirmations are no different than for many people as positive thinking, right? They're going to equate that to just, I've been thinking bad thoughts. This positive affirmation will allow me to think better thoughts. And I think, uh, it's to say that's probably an improved version of telling yourself negative things. Uh, but like you're saying, I think it misses, uh, the point. And I like yeah. the fact that you yeah. push them to address them, yeah. to address the nature of their, you know, of their issue in order to get to a place of tranquility and indifference and detachment. And then from there, and that was one of the things that was really interesting to talk to Dean Radin about as well in his studies, you know, in finding that in order for you to have a true in, to get in the flow state, let's say, or to get in the zone, as as one would say in like a sports setting, is that you need to have a level of detachment and non-caring in order for you yeah. to then perform at your best. You don't perform at your best when you when you truly don't care, and you don't perform at your best when you care so much that you're you're rigid and you're, you're you have no rhythm, etc. So there is some sort of state. That is in between, and uh, I would say, on, on per, speaking personally, I understand that very well from a, a sports and athletic uh, standpoint. And when I know that I'm going to have a good game, uh, when I know I'm having a good game, I can recognize all the things that I'm I've done to that. What was interesting in, in growing up is that when I was much much younger, I did not realize that that was a perfect tool to be used in the rest of my life. Um, obviously plenty of people had already figured that out. I mean, you know, I was late to the game in that sense, but, uh, yeah, I find that, I find that really interesting. You were going to, you were going to add something. Did you forget? No, I, I just wanted to say that, that, you know, just to make sure I didn't say affirmations don't work. I sure. said affirmations alone aren't enough mm -hmm. because sure. you, so it is definitely an improvement because you're saying it's much better than having negative thoughts. But you're not you're you're not considering the rest of you. The rest of you is also trigger. You know, is also sending out all of this this negative stuff at the same time, and that is where I feel people um, you know forget or don't pay attention to, and and to me that is the key to really make your affirmation work. And so yeah, it, again, it's not a sense of not caring. It's a sense of detachment. And it's once you are detached, when you get to that state, it's a feeling, it's hard to describe, but it's, you feel very empowered. You feel it's almost because again, everything is energy. Everything is frequency. You took out all of these lower vibe because you know, that also has been demonstrated. This is a whole other conversation. Your words and your thoughts have a measurable effect. In fact, that is also demonstrated in the movie. 
and so to on on your body on yourself and so so as you and it's a, a matter of vibration when you are saying words of anger or hatred or whatever you are vibrating at a lower frequency and so as opposed to love and friendship and you know joy and things like that and so when you take out all of these you know failure lack of confidence those frequencies your vibration goes up altogether and that gives you a sense of feeling good feeling empowered with who you are and that's when you are in the best now you can say your affirmations and get the results you want because you are starting kind of with a clean slate you took out right. the stuff completely and you're right. starting from this higher very empowered level and what I have my own idea on this, but I'm curious based on the fact that you, you've you taken the time to study this. We live in a world where there, we're pretty much bombarded with information and news and things like that for the majority of the news that we see and hear, especially given what's going on right now, being in this pandemic, and we don't really understand when it's it's over to all that stuff. How does one live in the modern world ignore to a certain extent because you can't ignore the pandemic that would that would be rather you know that's not the right word to say is ignore it but to not let it affect you to a certain degree and i think uh that would be my my question how does one or should one be very careful i mean uh, you can't just can i watch a horror movie like is that gonna do something to me if I start to put in every day the worst horror movies, the most serial killers, the watch serial killer documentaries, and it's or something of this nature. I don't know something relatively negative. What is that going to do to me? Or can I watch this thing? Is that not going to affect me if I'm unaffected? You know, did you find? Did you guys study what is going on in that relationship between what's outside and what's inside? Absolutely, the collective consciousness. We're constantly being bombarded and affected by the collective. I, I feel that all the time. Sometimes I wake up and I'm, I have this weird, chaotic, yucky, you know, energy. I know it's not me because I was fine, you know, and I have no reason to be in that state. And especially, I mean, I'm trained myself, so I know exactly how to discern what is me, what is somebody else, what is, you know, I'm picking up, you know, the neighbor or this guy's thing, or is it a collective? So there's training that you can do for that. But Without even this, uh, you know, worrying about this, you have to know you are energy. We've been talking about this. You are interacting with all sorts of energies, whether it's something um, local in your neighborhood or down, you know, on the other side of the planet, because we're all entangled. So you are being affected, period. The way to survive this is, again, through intention. So... Do I want to be educated on what's going on? Maybe. Okay, let's take the pandemic thing. So, um, you, you know, you turn on the news. Before I turn on the news, I set my intention. I want, I don't want to absorb the information without being discerning. I don't want to be affected physically by the information I'm hearing and receiving. I simply want to um to to just be aware of what's happening that's it right. by setting your intention you don't absorb those frequencies that's number one 
And so, so then you, okay, it tells you how many deaths and how many blah, 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 and what you're supposed to do, what, whatever. So, so then you feel detached, you feel that, okay, I, I know what's happening, but it didn't affect me. And then you go about your day, you can create a bubble you know, of energy as if you are basically in your own energetic bubble and everything that comes to you kind of bounces off that bubble. There's all kinds of visualization that you can do. I'm going to tell you how I've been surviving this. Okay. Uh, you know, for a lot of people, it may anger some people. I don't know. But I honestly pretend it's not there. Okay. And, and I feel completely normal in my, you know, in my, my, my lifestyle life. has not really, right. yeah, I don't feel anything's changed. Uh, I never watch the news anymore because in the beginning I was watching it all the time. And even though I can do this, but it was, it was, it was, first of all, there's so many like weird conflicting information. There's all kind you know, I was like, this is not what's happening. I'm not listening to this anymore. I feel so much better. I have no idea what's going on. I mean, in mm -hmm. a way. Sure. Because I don't believe most of it anyway. That's my thing. I'm not saying people aren't getting sick. And mm -hmm. I'm not saying, you know, it's not a real thing. All I'm saying is, uh, for me, I pretend it doesn't exist. Uh, if I have if I have to go somewhere, it's required for me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask, you know. And without before, it used to bother me a lot. Um, right. And then uh, when I don't have, most of the time, I don't even wear a mask. And I feel that, you know, I, I feel normal. I feel safe. I feel comfortable. And I feel I, I still have a normal life. Right. So that's how I'm dealing with it. And so, of course, now if people, you know, they're going to start forcing us to do vaccines and some of my friends are like, well, are you going to take the vaccine? Or what if, what if like you can't go somewhere? Mm -hmm. So, again, first of all, I this is my personal opinion. I'm not saying what people sure, should do. They can decide yeah. for themselves. But I personally feel that um, for me, I don't want to be interfered with. I don't want. So if I have to take a trip and I'm forced to take a vaccine, then I'll find a way around it. And to me, it's like, that's not the creation I want to take part in. And so maybe it's not meant to be that I take that mm -hmm. trip right now. You see what mm -hmm. I mean? I'll, yeah. I'll try to navigate around what the world wants me to do. If it, is, it, if it's, it hasn't affected me in that way in the, mm -hmm. in my lifestyle sure. because of that attitude. Right now, some people have it differently. Some people lost their job. Some people, you know, all of a sudden are living with their whole family. So I get it. I know totally. it's different for different people. But, you know, I feel like you can still have that level of normalcy and create what you want, even in this crazy time. Does that make sense? Was that, was that it makes helpful? perfect. It makes perfect sense. I think in, 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 in a more an even more stricter and more direct sense, you're taking back some of the personal responsibility and some of the power to you. Uh, and I feel that that is probably the way the world feels right now is that we've had almost everything just stripped from under us. And it's just uh, a sense of you're just kind of flowing in the wind where the government wakes up one day and just kind of tells you, all right, this is what's going on. You can't work. You can't work. Uh, you got to do this. You got to do that. And so we feel like we're getting thrown around. And so it, it, it does, you feel very helpless, very power, powerless. 
Um, and so I think taking that sort of, uh, taking that sort of mentality towards things is, is also very practical because it allows for you to, to have some control over your day, over your time, over what's going on. And I, I once again, I, I definitely agree with the, with not watching the news. Not only is there conflicting information, it's going to be very hard for you to grab a, a hold of what's going on with COVID on a day-to-day basis. Now, by the time you've finished one program, there's a new thing going to be happening if you just refresh the page. So uh, in that sense, it, it 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 makes perfect sense to kind of avoid in a certain in a certain way. Uh, I want to ask this one last question before we talk about all the stuff that you have going on further and and uh, and where everybody can can check out more of what we've talked about. But I'm curious, did you have any studies on time uh, relative to? what's going on, maybe not time travel uh, in that sense, or maybe I don't know what your beliefs are and whether or not consciousness can move up and down. And, and obviously theory of relativity is going to, going to put us in a different whole conversation, but did you guys do any studies on our relationship to time and consciousness, et cetera, just out of curiosity? I have not studied it with any scientists per se, but I have my own theory about how time space works. Actually, um, it's uh, I describe it in the books and in some of my classes, and it has to do with the with the grid pattern. It's the patterning of space itself. So we're inside this sort of a web, if you will, and the way uh, this web is organized gives us the impression, the illusion that we live within time and space because it's the exact same pattern, the exact same um, configuration as the human brain. So it's almost like the human brain has this configuration and the space around us has the same configuration. And so so it gives us the illusion, the impression that we're navigating through time space, but then there are certain points within that space where you go outside of the time space continuum. I'm giving you like a like a super sure, super um, condensed, super yeah, fast kind of you. explanation, <laughs> that, you know, my theory. But um, but basically, these are the we call them hotspots or hub points, you know, nodes within uh, those patterns uh, that are inside your brain and outside that gives you the illusion that you are in a timeless space or um, that you can travel through time space, that you can you can see a past life, you can have a past life experience or see the future or see a UFO appear and disappear. You know, these nodes allow, it's kind of like the entry and exit point um, within our time space um, hub, you know, web system, mm-hmm. if you will. And so, so because of that, I mean, again, I'm like <laughs> condensing all of this information. Uh, the brain has the exact same pattern. So by you knowing how to kind of find those nodes, you can move time, you can move through time forward or backwards um, uh, just by doing that sort of training. Uh-huh. And so that's kind of, this is what I talk about, uh, like I said, in some of my books in the, the workshop, the planetary grid system. Okay. It's actually three grids within one grid. Um, and uh, that's how, you know, I, wow. I feel that theory explains all kinds of anomalies, you know, right. 
right. um, and uh, things that things that we can do with time. Okay. I hope that wasn't too complicated. Yeah, <laughs> no, not not too complicated at all. Uh, I find it interesting, just uh, out of curiosity, our relationship with. I'm reading uh, an interesting book by a physicist and his uh, as he unravels kind of the mysteries of time. He is quite staunch in the material uh, paradigm, but starts to notice that it's weird when he, he starts to examine how is it possible then for us to have subjective time? You know, how is it possible for us to, to go to, we could, we could go, you know, to the beach and we could, some people can swim in the, in the ocean for them. It's the greatest thing ever. And they, it, it lasts two seconds. Somebody else who is under stress, they think they're going to get bit by a shark and it just two minutes seems like, you know, 10 years. And so yeah. those sort of questions and trying to delve into how our consciousness does that stuff is, is, you know, really interesting. So I find it fascinating, but, uh, why don't you let everybody know? I, I don't know what you're up to and working on now, but if you would let everybody know where they can find more about you and all of this stuff and the film, we can link out to it. Yeah. So the film is available on Amazon Prime, but also people can go to superhumanfilm.com and see other platforms. And like we said, some training, some classes. But I also have a lot of free stuff on my YouTube channel. You know, people can go to awesome. carolinecorey.com and see all kinds of classes and things, but also a lot of free things on that website and on my YouTube channel. And uh, so that's kind of the best way to look more into this work. But I really, really, really recommend for people to see that movie. I mean, it's it's not all it's entertaining too you know but it's so um i feel it's timely you know because of what's happening because our power is being taken away you know it's kind of a reminder that the mind affecting your physical body your physical reality is not a crazy weird thing out there this is real and that's what we're showing in the movie so it kind of helps you bring back that power you know empowers you to take charge of your life that's why I feel this this movie is very timely, and I hope everybody will be uh, uh, watching it. For sure, for sure. So, guys and girls, of course, please go check it out. All the link is down below in the description. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can check it out right there. If you are listening to this on the podcast, as many of you are, the link to all this stuff is in the show notes. And uh, I think we'll call it, Caroline. Thanks for being here. This was awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Your questions yeah. were awesome. Oh, good, good. I'm trying to get better, you know, every, <laughs> every episode. But uh, all right, guys, we will see you later.